Greetings ladies and mental gents and welcome to today's reddit quickie video. Taken from the HFY subreddit, the story is called Island in the Stars, written by Volstacher. The link to the original will be down below and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please consider subscribing, because if you don't, you might find yourself waking up to a room full of greys to have a conversation with you. The endless black ocean of stars was lit up by the distant sparks as ships detonated in the last seconds of life. Every twinkle of light was dozens of lives lost and wanton destruction and senseless conflict. I don't even know why they were fighting. Maybe no one did. There was no hails or warnings, just the immediate absence of order. None of the warships bothered to check who was in their sight when they opened fire. Or maybe they had. Maybe all they saw was a smaller hauler that wasn't flying their colors, and decided that that was enough. The signs always seemed to be shifting. First, it was the Orion Spur Group against the Sagittarius United Council. Then, it was the Sagittarius against the Sinai from the Far Rim. Then the Sinai against the Orion. Then Sagittarius against the Magellanic species in the voids between galaxies. Then Orion and Sagittarius against the Sinai, and so on, and so on. It seemed as though every time a new fight had broken out, the lines had been redrawn. Perhaps it was never had been lines in the first place, and there was just an ever-changing free-for-all between the nation titans as people like me tried to stay out from under their trampling feet. Tried being the operative word. Luck was the only reason my struggling lungs drew breath. Every double beat of my heart sent a fresh jolt of pain through my sides as I felt a little more blood leak out. The pilot's harness was already strained a deep blue and several droplets had already floated into my face in the zero-G, or onto the clipped and faded walls of the cockpit, ruining the already poor paint. With my one free hand and the ship's controls, I did the only thing that a no-name trader with nothing of significant value could do. Run away. Pain made it all but impossible to perform proper junk calculations, so I didn't bother. None of my recent ship stops had anything that could patch up a wound and repair my ship, so I aimed the nose of my vessel at a random star and engaged the ship drive. I murmured a prayer to the young guards that a shell hadn't damaged my ship to drive and that this jump wouldn't end up with my body scattered across a thousand kilometers. It didn't matter to me what awaited on the other side of the jump, so long as I was there to see it. At the very least, pirates may be apologetic if they raided my ship. There was a ripple in the black ocean and the drive stretched open, the thread of fabric of the reality. In an instant the stars were gone and I shifted. Beyond the final frontier there was nothing, everywhere, forever. They said that with a sufficiently powerful telescope and a bit of luck you might even be able to see other ships as shifting at the same time. But I doubted it. It was just nothing, everywhere, since until forever. At that instant you were well and truly alone. A dozen double beats of the heart later, and the process played back in reverse as a pinprick of light began to fill the endless empty, and just like that, it was over. No inertia, no jolt, no sound. Whoever had heard my prayer just found me insufficiently fervent pious, because the shift had barely even finished before half my engines died. The remaining thrusters tried and failed to compensate, and the change in angular momentum sent my ship tumbling into the void. 
Sensing the failure, the ship automatically shut off power to the engines, the constant tumbling acceleration from making me sick. But it didn't matter. It is a strange sensation to come to grips with the fact that you've exhausted all your options and there is nothing left for you to do. With my thrusters ruined, I couldn't aim the ship for another jump, and should I chance it, my current spin would probably be enough to cause the ship drive to fail before it could establish a route. Even if my wound wasn't fatal, I didn't have enough food to eat or tools to repair the damage. This is it, I thought to myself. Here's to the worst of life. Best fifteen years of a trader's career. Would that I could, and had more than seven. In the end, I had lived a simple and exciting life, I didn't try and upset the status quo, and contented myself with a carving out a meager quiet career that provided just enough money to continue living. No one hated me, then again I doubted anyone thought of me at all. Quiet, unobtrusive and safe, art up until it wasn't. How oh, many other people had found themselves in this situation? How many Sinai traders spent their last moments trying to patch the wounds in the hemorrhaging bioships? Were the Magellanian threes trying to send out memory capsules so that their family could add to their legacy walls even now? Could there be a human archie there, grasping for support of the artificial gravity where the rings of the ship failed, tearing the structure apart? If there were, I hoped the day would fare better. There was no choice for me but to wait it out, until either the hunger or the blood loss stopped my heart as I drifted off. With a resigned sigh, I activated the emergency protocols, an automated transponder began broadcasting, and a chemical cocktail began feeding into my flight suit to slow my bodily processes down and conserve energy. I closed my eyes and let the artificial sleep take me as I floated adrift in an endless ocean of stars. If I didn't wake up, I hoped the far side would be more peaceful than this. I woke up with the sight of a gas giant filling my view, the light blue clouds seeming to ripple like waves illuminating my ship. It was an island in an ocean of stars, and nowhere did I see the spark flash of war. It took me a moment longer to realize that I was no longer spinning out of control. The remaining thrusters couldn't have done that, and I was too far away from the planet's gravity to have had any notable effect. Stay calm. Everything's going to be okay. It was the first voice I'd heard in days. The pronunciation was off, and they lacked the sub-bass twang of my species had been speaking. My suspicions were confirmed when a human pulled themselves into my view. Like many people who spent prolonged periods in zero-g, his blonde hair was cut short while the straps of his buckles kept his clothing and equipment in place. A recovery tether connected him to the wall so that he wouldn't end up stuck somewhere with nothing to push off of. I'm going to remove you from your right cradle to take you to the infirmary. Is that okay? He asked, holding himself in front of me. In the reflective light of the gas giant, his white void suit almost seemed to be glowing, and it was difficult to focus on him. Or maybe that was the blood loss. Do it! My voice came out as a wheezing gurgle. With practice precision, he began disconnecting the restraints of my harness, slowly releasing me from my ship. I'll remove your medical harness now, he said as he moved on to the final steps. This may be painful. I nodded and immediately regretted it. The instant the medical harness was removed the pleasant numbing sensation the ship had been feeding me, and with it I was made acutely aware of my wound. I howled in agony and then... Gravity stirred me. It was the first thing I noticed when I was roused from the hazy twilight state of unconsciousness. 
My eyes refused to open, and my limbs felt like they had melted. But it was impossible to not recognize the gravity of the days without it. The old joke about gravity being a clingy friend came to mind. My faculties returned to me one by one, and after each one, I was waiting for the pain in my sight to resume. It never came. With some effort, I managed to focus on my wound, finding that it cleaned and stitched up. The orthodox latched over the wound and informed me that I had a few days before I would need to replace the store of painkillers. An empty blood bag was connected to the orthodox, and with an easy yank, I disconnected it. Satisfied that I wouldn't pass out, I got to my feet and assessed the situation. I didn't need to be a human to be familiar with what one of their infirmaries looked like, even if it was more dated than I was accustomed to. A few of the machines looked older than some of the pilots that I had met on the trade routes. No one else was here, and a small note had been left on my bedside. Ring the bell if need help. Me down hall door one. It read in scratchy, spiraling letters. I appreciated the human's effort to write my language, but he was clearly more fluent speaking it than writing it. There didn't seem to be a bell in the infirmary, but after so many days strapped to a cradle and having my muscles exercised by electric currents, it seemed like a good idea to have a real walk. The hallway outside of the infirmary was also dated in its own way. Unlike many ships or orbital stations, the walls had pictures and art and various planets hanging on them. There was a few scattered pictures of a human who had rescued me alongside with other humans, but I didn't have enough experience differentiating human faces to glean much information. A few panels had been removed and replaced with the different colored ones, as the texture of the floor had been worn smooth in a few choice places. It felt lived in, careful, loved, peaceful. This wasn't just a station, it was a home. When was the last time I'd been home? You got used to living out of a box when working in the endless black. Every article of clothing was extra weight, which meant extra fuel, which meant that they packed only the barest essentials. You could travel on a hundred ships and only defining feature could be the colors of the wall. Assuming you decided to spend your precious little disposable income on paint, that was for after the worst five years were behind you. Then the best fifteen started. I still had yet to buy the paint. Not even the Magellanians 3S enjoyed living space, and their artificial muscles didn't atrophy like ours did. There was no door labeled one, but I did find one with an A written on it. There must have been a translation error. The characters for the numbers and letters in my language were very difficult to differentiate, even for natural-born speakers. The human opened the door after I knocked. Feeling better? he asked as he stepped aside so that I could enter. As good as I can be after seeing the border of the far side, I said entering the dim room. It was a small kitchen filled with a table that could fit a dozen people around it. There was only a single place setting. There should be some nutrient shakes that are compatible with your biology in the fridge, the human said, motioning to the lone appliance that looked somewhat new. Not many, but at least for a few days' worth. I also slowed the drum a bit so the gravity should be closer to what you used to. That surprised me. Humans were similar enough to me that I wouldn't be unable to walk in their normal gravity. It would have just been uncomfortable. Likewise, I had more than enough nutrients for my own ship to sustain me. That is very generous of you, I said. It's the least I can do, the human said. I didn't yet have it in me to dispute that point. My body was still half asleep. Do you want to go to the observatory? Zero-G may be valuable for keeping the weight of your injury. The human motioned at the other exit of the kitchen. 
That did sound nice. I grabbed one of the nutrient shakes and followed him through the doors and into the brightly lit corridor. This one was much longer than the infirmary corridor, and I could see the end of the hallway curve upwards. Like many human ships, gravity didn't come from the continual acceleration, but rather from a spinning of their drum-shaped bodies. In the light, I got better view of my saviour. By my measure, this human was on all the side of life. Grey streaks ran on his once blonde hair, his wrinkles surrounding his eyes. He had a scar on his cheek, but it was old and all but unnoticeable. From what I saw of humans, he was unexciting in the sense that he lacked defining features that were invaluable for other species trying to differentiate people who looked nothing like themselves. An elevator on the side took us up towards the center of a barrel. The closer we came, the lower the gravity got, until I vanished altogether. The liquid in the nutrient shake started to float in the bottle, but the smart cup stopped it from spilling everywhere. I took a large drink. It tasted bland and inoffensive. The doors opened up in rotating passage, just wider than a person. It took no effort to push myself through, floating down the hallway. The ground spun out from beneath my hovering feet, and the ceiling above me fell below me in an endless, gentle spin. Despite that, the corridor was actually stationary, and it was me who was spinning, having been in an elevator connected to the main drum. It was somewhat nauseating and one of the main reasons I preferred ships with acceleration gravity. I grabbed a hold of the ladder rung on the other side of the corridor, matching the rotation of the station. With a now stationary reference frame, it felt much more natural to travel the last few feet of the hatch at the end of the corridor. Let me, the human said, floating past me to pry the airlock open. The view on the other side stole my breath away. The gas giant I saw earlier filled a third of the seamless glass dome. The blue atmosphere shone like a sapphire, undulations of storms reminding me of a marble I mined in my youth, or the seas I sailed with my mother. It was an ocean of blue stone and nothing of space. Green auroras made a halo around the pole of the planet, suffusing the clouds with a surreal glow. An island of peace in a craze of societies. Twin moons were rising in the field of view, pockmarked by craters of other impacts. A third, more distant moon even appeared to have a thin coating of atmosphere, judging by the haziness around it. If I pressed my head against the glass, I could just make out the edge of the drum of its endless spin while we stayed still. It's going to be a small meteor shower in a little bit, the human said. The forecast suggests that those which don't hit the oasis will burn up in our atmosphere. It'll be quite a sight. Where are we? I asked. Astronomers and explorers were notorious bad at reusing certain names for every new discovery, but none of the gas giants I knew were named Oasis. The system is called Monaria, the human said, two planets, Oasis being one, the other is a dwarf in the tight orbit around the G-class star. There is nowhere habitable except for whatever you arrived in. Samson and I wanted to set up a small mining operation here, but a spate of bad luck lost him several ships and crew. Monaria never managed to shake its reputation. It's been empty since. The two of us are the only people for a dozen light years in any direction. So why are you here? I asked. Was it rude to press your savior for answers? Perhaps. But I'm a trader, and the first lesson a trader learns is that nothing is free. Not even bland nutrient shakes. There is always someone footing the bull. The human shrugged. The star reminds me of home. There are many G-class stars in the galaxy, I said, plenty closer to civilization. 
True, but Menaria is right near the triple point of Orion, Sagittarius and Sinai, he said, pushing himself off the wall to drift across the observation deck. Out of the last 23 sol years since I arrived here, 17 of those years were spent with a conflict happening along one or more of those borders. The remaining six were full of border skirmishes. Every time a battle broke out, there was always be people caught in the middle. People like you, just trying to get by. They scatter to the winds at the sight of danger, most flee to the safety of home space. Many are injured or piloting damaged ships. Some end up here. And then what? I said, keeping myself close to the wall, getting stranded in the middle of space, during a zero-g with something a phobia worry of mine. I patch the wounds and repair the ships, the human said matter-of-factly. And then what? The human caught himself on the wall to stop his drift. He looked at me in the eyes and seemed to understand. They're nothing. They move on. They live their lives. Why? Why what? It can't be easy, cheap, to keep this place stocked with all the necessities. Repairs will hurt your budget as well. No one does this without a motive. What is it? Do you skim the comp, go? Is this a drop point for some smuggling operation? Bunt? Yes. Something didn't seem right and I wanted to find out before I returned to civilization to find a chunk of my cargo missing. It wouldn't take much to put me in debt for years. You wouldn't believe my motive. Try me. I want to help people, he said. And? There is no... And, he replied. I'm just an old retiree with money and time. I get nothing out of this arrangement. He was half right. I did believe that he was old and had too much money. No sane person would risk their life out in a lawless space without so much as a pistol to defend themselves. There were plenty of other way stations out there with empty like this, but they all had their price. It was always steep, but when the options to pay or drift endlessly, he always managed to find the money. He must have seen my disbelief. Why can't I just help people? Why is extorting some poor soul on the edge of death more believable than someone just being... A good person? Because being a good person doesn't pay well, I said. In the quieter space, his laughter was like a funeral bell. Why does it always come down to money and dirt? Sinai wants systems so they can call every precious stone they find. Sagittarius wants systems so they can control shipping lanes. Orion wants systems so that they can sell water to the dry worlds. Magellanians want systems so that they can build more processes. It's all just dirt or money. Hard to live without dirt and money, I counted. So why would I steal someone's, he asked. Is that really all there is to it, I asked, floating over to where I could see a view of the drum near the edge of the dome. You are spending God knows how much money to sit here, in the middle of forgotten nowhere, waiting for lost causes to fall into your lap. Of course, the human said, I can't stop the nations from hating each other. I can't cure cancer or solve poverty or end hunger. I just do what I can. Sometimes it only takes a single person to save a lost cause, and that's reward enough for me. We floated there in silence for a time. The moon began to poke its way around the horizon of the oasis. The stars were motionless against the backdrop of the empty. One could almost imagine the entire universe was like this, an endless expanse of islands in the dark, scattering people, watching the celestial grandeur pass by. I knew better. The system never rested. How many people have come through here? I said, disappointed that I broke the silence. 49 ships, 77 people in total, counting you. And how many times have pirates tried to rob you? 
Morbid curiosity prompted the question, and I regretted it immediately. Just once. They boarded the station, beat me bloody, broke a few of my fingers, gave me the scar, stole my food, appliances, and some other material. They left me to die. You'd be amazed at how long a human can survive without food. He said despite the gruesome details, he didn't have any maliciousness or anger in his voice. I was the 18th person to be saved here. Another ship found me, patched me up, and got me back on my feet. They gave me enough food to last a year. They didn't encourage you to defend yourself. Of course not. What use would it be? There is only one of me, and the years have taken their toll. It would be bad end. I'd rather pass on with clean hands, he said with a heavy sigh. It is stupid to be all the way out here, unarmed and alone. Every time I see someone shift, I hold my breath to see if they are pirates. At any time, another ship could drop in and destroy the station without a second thought. I gamble that they won't. So far, it's worked out. An automated repair drone drifted past the window, thrusters performing microscopic course corrections as it headed into its destination. Following its path, I let my eyes drift to the human, and I could see just how old he was. The reflected light from the planet highlighted every deep wrinkle in his face, and shone through the thinning hair. He was older than I initially thought, but he was still here. Thank you, I said at last. Truly, you offered your help to me when you had no reason to. I'm only alive because of your generosity. It is easy to hurt and so hard to heal, he said, not meeting my gaze. My favorite days are the quiet ones when no one is around but me. I come up here and I stare at the stars for hours on end. I like to dream that everything was good, that there were thousands of people dying every day because of wars that they didn't want to be involved in. It was a lie, but lies are more comfortable than the truth. Then someone drops in and I wake up. Surely not every visitor is bad news. Sometimes they're low on fuel or made a mistake during the shift and got lost. Three times for the former, twice the latter. Easy fixes, the human said, counting off the details on his fingers. No one comes here if they want to. Even so, I try to keep a positive attitude. Even if every wounded ship is a reminder of the truth, I can try and make my dream a reality. My apologies for questioning your honored word, I said. Honestly, it was rare out here, and it shamed me to spit on the first welcoming hand I found. Every single one of them expected the same thing when I picked them up. Piracy. It took a while for me to convince most of them that I was unhonest. Several even fired upon me. He continued, It is taken as a fact of life, that if a stranger finds you out in the empty, you are about to be robbed, killed, or both. So, I don't blame you. It's the way of things, and it takes a long time for that way to change. Another drone drifted by the window, green lights on its sides blinking in a mesmerizing pattern. Seems the repairs on your ship are finished, the human said, giving the drone a wave as it left their field of view. I took the liberty of giving you some fuel. Should be enough to get you to any one of the borders from here. A gentle shove against the glass dome, the human started to float backwards towards the exit. He didn't need to look to adjust his course or orient himself with the elevator. I was less graceful, but managed to make it all the way back with little trouble. As the elevator lowered us into the drum of the gravity reasserted itself, the human passed me a small package. Painkillers for the autodoc, he explained, motioning to my bandaged side. There is a syringe to inject them into your nutrient streams if you prefer to do it that way. You should probably head back to civilization and find a hospital. Make sure I did my job right. 
It doesn't feel that painful, I said, chancing a glance down at the stitched-up wound in my side. Consider it a favor for me, he said, beating me down the corridor. One of the windows I could see my ship looking a bit worse for wear, but better than I'd hoped for. The airlock was open and I'm inviting. My home awaiting me. You never told me your name, I said as I stopped at the threshold of the airlock. Does it matter? The human smiled. I'm no one special. I disagreed, but didn't press the subject. Thank you, once again, I said, offering my hand in the customary human greeting. It was the least I could do. He repeated as he took my hand, and once again I bit back in disagreement. Saving her life was never a forgettable action, regardless of what he said. I'll go and lock the docking clamps from the bridge. It may be a few minutes, so take the time to get settled. Take care out there, and perhaps we will eat each other again on the far side. On the far side, I agreed, and headed down the umbilical of my ship. Once I was there, the human was out of sight. I popped the hatch to the cargo hold and grabbed a crate. There was enough preserved food in there to last someone a long time. I struggled a bit, but managed to get it all the way back down the umbilical cord without dropping it or reopening my wound. Double-checking the human wasn't nearby, I left it on the door and closed the door behind me. It was a trader's first lesson that everything had a price, and I was not about to steal. My profits would take a hit, but I was willing to take on some debt. By the time I got strapped into the pilot's cradle and docking clamps had already been unlocked, a message from the human blinked on my console, asking me if there was a problem. Just making sure everything was squared up before leaving, I replied and completed the pre-flight checks. As I did, I couldn't help but notice that he had repainted my ship during the repairs. There wasn't a single chip or flaking paint anywhere. With a distant thump, the ship released and I floated into the void, leaving the human and his lonely station behind me. As I powered up my ship to drive and plotted a course, I hazarded a parting glance at the oasis. The sun was behind the planet now, a brilliant halo of light surrounding a gas giant. The black ocean of the eclipse was lit up by the sparks as meteors burned in the atmosphere. Each one lasted only a fraction of a second, and then it was gone. But for a moment... It was there and it burned bright. Everything was quiet, peaceful, and I could see the human's dream. End of story. If you wish to support the author or the channel, all the relevant links are down below. But the easiest way would be to share this like a plague to everyone and anything that you can think of. And until the next video, I hope that you all have a good time, and I'll see you then. Cheers.